Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio. I'm your host, Karen Nowicki, and I'd like to welcome you to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what's happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. And we'd like to thank Arizona Commerce Authority, AZ TechCast 2021 Innovation Sponsor. The Arizona Commerce Authority is the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. The Commerce Authority uses a three-pronged approach to advance the overall economy, recruit, grow, and create. I'd also like to thank our 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor, JDH Insights. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex assets, their humans. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. And with me today, as always, my partner in crime or partner in growth, Steve Zalstra, <laughs> President and CEO of Arizona Technology Council. Welcome back, Steve. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to have you. And we have an incredible lineup again. We are going to welcome to today's show our featured guest. We have Sheila Cluckhorn. I hope I said that correctly. Great to have you. Thank you. President and CEO of KEO Marketing. So pleased to have you today. And Dr. David Bowman, Provost of the University of Advancing Technology and Eric Miller, co-founder and principal of PADT Incorporated. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. So great to have you. I know before when we were all called the green room, just, you know, to sound cool. But before we came on, uh, we were discussing that each of you have had the opportunity to be with us before. And it's it's always a pleasure for me to welcome folks back uh, and your organizations again. During today's TechCast conversation, these distinguished experts and technology leaders will discuss how 2020 changed the world like no other for at least the next generation, how we can rebuild following such a tumultuous year, the technology to get us there, and the innovative Arizona companies that helped pull us through and gave us optimism for the future. We have a lot of ground to cover, to cover so let's get started. I would love for each of you to start with an introduction. Who are you? Uh, how did you, you know, the, the brief Reader's Digest version uh, of how you landed in this role that you're uh, experiencing today and how you serve Arizona. And uh, let's, Stephen, do you mind starting with Arizona Technology Council? I'd love to. So the Arizona Technology Council is a statewide trade association representing technology-based companies, uh, really from Douglas to Kingman. The preponderance of our members are obviously in Phoenix, but we have about a third of them in in Tucson, offices in both uh, locations. We do public policy advocacy on behalf of the tech sector. Pre-COVID, we did about 160 face-to-face events uh, a year. I think last year we did about 85 virtual events. Uh, We have a number of publications uh, as well as podcasts, including this one. And uh, we negotiate lower cost products and services for our members. We provide an association health plan, a 401k program, and many other uh, programs that reduce the costs for our members. Excellent. Thank you for the introduction. 
Dr. Bowman, how about you next? Oh, thank you. Uh, UAT, yeah, we are uh, Arizona's private college for technology and engineering. The, we've got a campus in Tempe with uh, dorms and the whole setup, and uh, we're a destination campus uh, for students both locally and nationally. Really, really want to deep dive in on how to build with all these new technologies coming around us. Uh, you know, we've uh, forever, you know, our focus has been on developing a methodology that really exceptional, yeah, really does a great job with taking students through the process of looking at the future technologies like blockchain and AI and drone and things like that, and figuring out how to design solutions quickly that people care about and value. Um, and so it's it's a very cool place. It's, it's pretty amazing. Every time you're with us, I picture it. I've had the pleasure of taking a tour a couple of times. And I'm, <laughs> it is one of the neatest situations for learning and community and growing. Uh, I know, I, I don't imagine you're doing uh, too many tours right now. I, I know last time we uh, spoke. Hopefully in the fall. Uh, yeah. But I do know like we're doing uh, lots of, you know, like, like right now I've got a, we're running a course on the students are coding their own blockchains. And I was talking to a professor this morning. They're going to walk a group of students through the summer of how to build drones from scratch. Like what's the code behind it and actually like just build your own drones to understand what they are and then take the drones that they build and, and apply them to some, you know, ag tech or or, or, or or scouting tech or whatever kind of thing, and maybe tie to some AR. Love it. Can't wait to hear more. Sheila, how about you? Introduce yourself, please. Well, thank you. I'm Sheila Clefcorn. I head up KEO Marketing. We're a business-to-business marketing agency based here in Phoenix and Tempe. We serve technology companies all over the country, but quite a few here in Arizona, and we've been really pleased to be a top-level sponsor for the Arizona Technology Council for more than 15 years. This has been a really interesting year in that we've had the opportunity to help reposition many companies through COVID. So helping them recast their products and services as well as their brands to help them be more successful. And I'm really proud to say that our clients have it have ended the year in 2020 better than they started it, even though it was really challenging getting through. And so I have a lot of optimism about how their, their new positioning is going to serve them going into 2021. Excellent. And last, but certainly not least, Eric, let's hear from you. I'd rather pile on what Sheila just said. We'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm for more sure. More boring than that because yeah. it's spot on. Um, so... My name is Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners of a local engineering company called PADT. And what we do is we provide the products and services that manufacturing companies use to design and build products. So most people not in engineering know us for our 3D printing work. Uh, we, we sell and do 3D printing as a service for folks. But we're also the uh, leaders in the Southwest for uh, simulation, which is virtual testing, as well as product design. And we work for most of the large companies here in Arizona, as well as increasingly more and more uh, companies across the Southwest. We have offices in California and Texas and Colorado, New Mexico and Utah. So um, as far as far as how I ended up in that uh, that role is I, I worked at what's now Honeywell Engines. Uh, I was a turbine engine engineer, which we like to say fast and um, did did simulation uh, for a living. And we decided to build a company around, and it kind of fits into our discussion today, around the idea of moving engineering onto computers. And that's kind of what our company was based on. Back in 94, when we started it, it was still kind of a new concept. We would call it digitization now. 
I think that that's really what we've seen uh, from a positive standpoint through COVID is this push towards digitization that I think, you know, UAT saw on the horizon, Sheila saw on the horizon, but had to push people towards, well, you know, COVID made us all jump on the bandwagon pretty quick. And uh, it's been a, it's been a great ride. Karen, I just want to add that um, Sheila, David and Eric are all board members of the Arizona Technology Council as well. And Eric currently serves as our chairman of the board. That's right. He's doing a great job. Yeah, outstanding. How long is that term, Stephen or Eric? Is there a specific set? Office, officer. I thought it was forever. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Eric? (laughs) Officers serve uh, one-year terms, but they can serve for many years. Um, They're reelected annually, but board members uh, can serve two, three-year terms. Very good. Yeah, your your ecosystem, your group, the Arizona Technology Council members and, and leaders within um, are certainly an impressive bunch and really always looking for how can we um, make sure that everybody is is coming along, moving along collectively, right? And each of you spoke to that a little bit in your introduction um, as you res, uh, represent your respective industries. So let's circle back to that. Let's talk, let's dive a little bit deeper into the conversation around 2020 and and how we were all really forced to uh, button up, tighten down, and also get creative with how we were serving our clients. Uh, Sheila, let's go back to you, if you would. When you talk about your um, your clients, and, and Eric alluded to this, how hard was it for them to wrap their heads around whatever change that they needed to make? Or did you find that they came willingly? Well, I think, you know, it varied among our clients. We have a couple of dozen clients here. Uh, we're a small boutique agency. And so some of them initially were in shock. And I think that's true of a lot of us, you know, just thinking, you know, how do, not just even how, but but what should I do? You know, that kind of thing. But ultimately, each of them uh, had to decide, you know, how are we going to be relevant? And that's the most important thing as a, as a business in any economy is how, are, how am I going to be relevant? So, for example, we have a, a big commercial cleaning company, which you don't normally think of as a tech company. It's called OpenWorks. They do phenomenal work all over the country. And um, most of the marketing messaging we were doing prior to COVID was about compliance, making sure your cleaning and disinfecting was compliant for your industry if you're in healthcare and those kinds of things. And then, of course, with COVID, there it, it's really obvious that any facility you have has to be cleaned and disinfected related to CDC standards. Those standards were changing all year. The CDC was issuing new regulations. Then uh, we went to electrostatic spraying to make sure that those are the same ones they talk about using on airplanes and things like that. And then by the end of the year, we were able to talk about surface protectants that can keep surfaces protected for 90 days even. So a lot of innovation was happening. So just like they were coming out with new PPE, They're coming out with new kinds of ways to keep services protected. So this is a company who made a decision really early on to take advantage of things. And we were launching new products literally every month, all of last year after COVID hit. Um, And as a result, their business has expanded. Now, their business in schools died. Schools were closed for much much of the year. But their, their business in warehouses 
in logistics expanded because, you know, everything was being uh, delivered via truck somewhere out of a warehouse somewhere. And so this is a company that together we were able to reposition and they ended up doing really very well. That's just an example of, okay, we are in the business. There's part of our business that's really died and a part of our business that needs to expand. How can we move quickly enough? And I think they're learning out of that is that they're always going to be doing that. And so we've had conversations about how we're going to continue innovating new products every year. The business is more than 30 years old. It's never innovated that quickly, that often. And now it's kind of a part of the DNA of the company. And it should be, right? That keeps them ahead of the pack. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Dr. Bowman, tell us a little bit about how you see 2020 has shaped uh, advanced education going forward and, and some of the challenges that you all have had throughout the year. I'll definitely tag off what Sheila said. Was the, if I think back on the first half of 2020, or like when March, when it started to kind of unfold, was like living in this constant state of changing rules. You know, like, you know, like you spent really the better part of last year just looking at what's right in front of you because you knew that a month down the road, it's been something different. You just didn't know. And I think uh, for a lot of education, that was very, very difficult. Um, education systems are just not designed to be that nimble. Uh, you know, for UAT, we were fortunate. Uh, we spent the last three years ahead of that working on a new delivery model where all of our classes could be delivered in person or through a stream. And it was just a student's choice from class to class. And so when the change happened for us, we were fortunate to have been postured for it. We didn't, we, we, I mean, we never missed a beat with classes, uh, although we missed the students terribly. I mean, it's it's like, like I'm on campus right now and it's like, I've been, I've been part of the, like kind of the essential workforce and it's really lonely. Uh, it's like this whole building and me and a cafe person and an IT person and a cleaning person. And that's been our, you know, our world. Uh, but, you know, you think about the, the K through 12 sector, especially, uh, this was brutal on them. I mean, there, I mean, there's so many rules associated about what they need to do to keep kids safe. And, you know, the tech infrastructure ramp up that had to happen for it. Uh, and I've just, my admiration for that sector for coming up to speed um, and for those teachers to come up to speed on delivering in these kind of skill sets. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, it, it was hard, but I've been amazed every time I've watched demonstrations of what teachers have been doing and they had to pay up a whole new set of learning skills. And, you know, if there's a silver lining in 2020, I think it's going to be that, you know, our K-12 system advanced in terms of the toolkit they have to deliver. And my hope is, is that, you know, obviously when this thing winds itself down, we return to in-classroom instruction. But at the same time, all of the resources, the interactivity pieces, and all the things that you get when you use, you know, some online tools and things like that stay. And then also, you know, I mean, as much as it's lousy, you know, as a kid, you know, snow days don't mean school ends. It just means you go to a different mode. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and I think even for the workforce, that's something we're going to see once this thing winds down is that, you know, there are plenty of days when, you know, when you don't feel great and you come to campus anyway because you want to give instruction to students, but you're kind of a spreader. Uh, what I think is going to happen is, you know, we're going to rethink workforce a bit and say, you know what, if you're feeling a little off, just do it this way. And so I think that's, we'll see that happening. And what I get really excited about is that, and I've seen this and Steve's seen this as well, is that, you know, we've spent the last 10 months using this sort of Brady Bunch thumbnail version of interactivity. 
there's a better way out there. And I think the more interactive ways has been actively in development. And I think what we'll see is about five to 10 years faster than you would expect. We have much better spaces to do virtual meetings in that will come live in the next 12 to 24 months. I was just in a conference yesterday that was entirely in virtual reality. So that. we had uh, Oculus headsets there you and go. virtual rooms using uh, an app on your Oculus, which is kind of like an app on your phone. Um, and so you have an avatar of your head on a body and you're mm-hmm. in a room as if we were in a real room talking to each other. And the coolest thing about it was I've so missed seeing people in person. And this was a conference of CEOs from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And we were actually in a virtual room, shaking hands and hugging. I, I said to someone last night that, like, I just was really happy about that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, if, that, I could, yeah, we, if, if I could just pile on there. Um, in fact, Dave has introduced me to the CEO entrepreneur of a company called Fabcom that is working on a very similar platform and is going to be launching it uh, shortly. But it uh, it's an order of magnitude more interactive than this. And uh, it's going to be spectacular. They, they also use LiDAR and they, they'll go to the room and they'll recreate the room online exactly how it is in person. And rather than these avatars that you've seen, they use your photo to mm-hmm. almost instantly recreate you. So when you're shaking hands, you're shaking hands with that person. So you don't have to have a little name tag above your head. Uh, they see that it's you. It's pretty cool. And and they've got licensing with Armani so that you're actually probably better dressed. Than <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you don't have any of that COVID weight. That That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a, particularly important for engineers, the better dressed. Yeah. I mean, the only time I'll wear Armani. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. So, when Sheila, when you shared the example of, of one of your clients and how they really had to think on their feet and, and offer up these new ways of, of keeping space clean and, and sanitary, uh, Zoom, right, which we've all come to say has kind of been one of the champions in all of this, I don't know, but I can't help but think they were they were just ready. They quickly implemented it. And, and, I, and as a consumer of Zoom, obviously for this purpose, I kept watching the changes happen. And sometimes it happened so quickly, I wasn't prepared for the next show, right? But it'll be fascinating to see the next layer of innovation for meetings like this, as you pointed out. And the They've fact, Sheila, that it's already... percent growth in 10 months. Yeah. Wow, that's it, it, it's it's such an interesting you know when we are under stress and and I want to talk positive about these things. It's it's been a horrible horrible experience with so many just unfortunate and painful death and loss. But you know as humans, that's kind of what we do, right? We we deal with these things. In fact, this is the only time my generation has had to deal with anything serious, and we kind of not all of us, but enough people kind of pull up their pants and get to work, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that that's one of the takeaways from this that I hope we carry forward is maybe the confidence to do that. I think we, especially, you know, my generation and maybe younger generations that haven't dealt with negative things really, you know, we now know it's not that big of a deal. We can get through it. And yeah, when it impacts you directly, it's, it is insanely bad. But, um, you know, we can still get through it. And, you know, people have been through far worse in history. Um, 
but I, you know, we just kind of got, kind of got spoiled, I think. And this kind of woke us up and yeah, we can, we can make it happen. We can make it, we can do these things. We can get these products to market. We can pivot, we can, we can adjust. And uh, I think that's one thing we want to carry forward is that confidence to, to adapt quickly. I'm of a different generation, but uh, we certainly got our share of it in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Enough enough to last you a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. Eric, expand for us a little bit more about manufacturing and what you've been seeing as a result. What's happening there? Because that's really a hands-on industry. It, it 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 got hit probably the well of course hospitality got hit the hardest the first entertainment got hit the hardest first but our supply chain was disrupted um you know uh, a totally different discussion but you know china's way of dealing with this was to completely shut down and contain the virus right so they basically got to the point where that wasn't spreading but in doing that they they shut down the world's uh, warehouse, right? This is this whether you like it or not. This is where we get most of our parts, or at least a part that's critical, and the part we get from someplace else. And when they did that, it completely destroyed our supply chain. Um, and we had been spending the last I don't know thirty years optimizing that supply chain so that we can get every single penny out of it. And when they shut it down, it fell apart. And I was it's funny you mentioned I was just looking at the uh, Institute for Supply Chain Management here in town. They do a, a monthly report of of things and, and we've recovered. Um we're we're back actually above the manufacturing rates that we were before even even uh before the beginning of 2020. We're kind of back where we were and before the whole tariff thing started. So um it, it we're in a good place. Um but it took a lot of rethinking and a lot of uh, not taking for granted our supply chain. And then the whole issue of, well, you know, we do have to get people in to you, these. We have a lot of robots, but somebody's got to fix the robots, right? And um, so, you know, dealing with that and creating this, you know, very early on, we didn't do a good job of it. There were a lot of workers that got sick um, and died. And I think the industry had to really step back and look at how to make it safe to get people in and get their job done and use some common sense. Well, and Eric, and a lot else. of those supply chains didn't overlap. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. so now there's been connections made about Mm -hmm. supply chains overlapping in a way that never probably ever would have happened. Um, You know, just like grocery stores have a different supply chain than Walmart. So, you know, the whole reason we didn't have enough (laughs) toilet paper was because it was in a different supply chain, something that I don't think many people ever thought about. So I think that's been one of the most amazing things about this whole time period is how many people, everyday people, got in and started making PPE or Mm -hmm. started solving problems that they never Mm -hmm. felt empowered to solve Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. because we just needed it. And so a lot of people have found new opportunities, new jobs because they felt like they were up against a wall and still had to figure something out. And that's a muscle that I think that we definitely need and will need in the future because technology and the pace of change is only accelerating. It, right. It's it's not a linear uh, pace of change. It's, it's exponential, actually. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason, certainly not people dying and things like this, but this has started to build a muscle for a lot of people mm-hmm. to think about work differently, certainly remote work. It's caused people to think about family differently and connections. If you can't spend holidays with your family, how do you stay connected with the people who matter to you most? And I definitely left 2020 feeling like 
I wasn't spending time doing things that weren't important. I feel like 2020 was a big year of doing mostly important things and not doing things that maybe I felt like I had to. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think many of us will take into the future. I, I want to build on that a little bit. Um, I was personally so proud of the tech industry and the fact that they stepped up during this uh, pandemic. You heard about much of this. Uh, you know, Honeywell started making uh, PPE. Uh, we had a company called, we have a company called Analyze Inc. Uh, they started making um, anti, the antibiotic uh, hand washing uh, materials. Um, and they were in the cosmetics business. <laughs> Universal Avionics opened up their facility for anyone who wanted to manufacture PPE. Intel provided uh, bunny suits and uh, masks uh, for people who needed them, you know, the people on the, on the front line. Uh, there's a whole array of technology companies who really dug in uh, to support society uh, during this difficult time. Um, uh, Iron Mountain provided laptops to schools, brand new laptops, because kids didn't have the devices they needed. So I could go on and on and on, but the, the tech industry really stepped up. Well, I think, you know, that's the thing is that the tech industry spent the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years getting good at agile processes. <laughs> you know, like all those old school waterfall processes were replaced with agile processes, you know, which was needed because... You know, if you, I think it's amazing. Like when I look at the number of patents that have been issued, you know, oh, since, you know, since 2000, like after in the mm -hmm. 1980s, 90s, patents were like logarithmic, like Sheila said, and then they did it again in the 2000s. And then in the last five, 10 years, they doubled again. And so all of these very agile processes have led to, you know, the ability to innovate quickly. And so I think what we saw was this last year where because of that, Sure, the second quarter, you know, and into summer were challenging, but it's interesting how the tech sector by the third and fourth quarter, by and large, rebounded. I mean, it's yes. like they, you know, they, you know, they they readjusted their supply chains, readjusted their manufacturing processes, you know, you know, changed their products, you know, you know, to meet the needs. Again, one of those silver linings that I saw in 2020 is we have a demonstration of of our ability to move when we need to into different areas and do it very, very quickly. You know, and under great pressure. I mean, you know, it was a, you know, the pressure last year was, was incredible. And so, yeah, that was different. Well, and now as a result, there's a focus on just take rural internet for an example. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that would have been one of the top five things on yeah. the governor's agenda mm -hmm. had it not been for the challenge of COVID. Yeah. And it's truly one of the things that will transform the future of our state Absolutely. if if we can have broadband everywhere. I mean, I was in a presentation uh, with some folks from uh, SpaceX and Starlink earlier this week. They've launched 4,000 satellites. Mm -hmm. They're going to be launching 11,000 satellites in low, low orbit to enable broadband to the entire world. Mm -hmm. And it's $99 a month. Yeah. I mean, at this point, Starlink is like, 50 megs, but still 50 megs. I have a cabin in the mountains. You don't get 50 megs there. Uh, <laughs> the thought of having 50 megs, even in, in some of the more remote parts of the state would transform education for our state, would transform healthcare, healthcare, telemedicine, all of these things. And so 
the 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 horrible news about COVID is how many people have gotten sick and died. Mm-hmm. The amazing news about COVID in 2020 is that I think, like you said, Dave, we are not just 10 years ahead. I think I think in some ways we're 10 or 15 years ahead of where we would have been if we had continued on the same trajectory. Yeah, and and, 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 and uh, you take a look at business systems as well. You know the the push to digitization on how you run your business uh, mm-hmm. was, mm-hmm. you know, some companies are way ahead of that curve. Other companies were kicking and screaming and not changing their processes, right? And you know, most most companies didn't even know what an ERP was, right? Mm-hmm. A, a resource planning system. But that's one piece of software that you can run your whole business on, right? Well, when everybody's working someplace else. And you can't walk down the hallway and ask them a question. An ERP sounds pretty damn good. <laughs> so, you know, I think it really pushed a lot of these technologies forward. I mean, we'll even talk about things like consumer side of things. Uh, Carvana is a great example, right? A local company here that, you know, was doing okay. Um, they, were, they were a nice alternative to getting a car. But when going to get a car risked your life, um, <laughs> people that may not have used Carvana did. And even people I know who just would never use Airbnb, they, they had all the reasons in the world why they use Airbnb, you know, four months into being stuck in their house, they figured this would be a little bit better to go socially isolate in somebody else's house. And now they're hooked, right? That all their vacations are going to use Airbnb. So it really pushed us in so many different facets into this digitization. And, and I think Steve kind of alluded to it too, telemedicine, something else we can talk about, uh, probably the entire podcast that got pushed forward by it. Grocery shopping, right? Robert. Even just, it's funny, I've I've done grocery shopping online a a lot for a long time and would go pick up my groceries. Now, at least the fries that I'm at here in in Chandler, uh, South Tempe, I have to sometimes do it three or four days in advance because there's no spot for pickup, right? And again, that system can improve, but what a perfect example of how every consumer is impacted by this. Steve, I cut you off. What were you going to share? Well, I was just going to say, Robbie Robbins, who's the president of the University of Arizona, has been talking uh, for the last couple of years since he took over as president about um, we're entering the, the fourth industrial revolution. Digitization is part of that, right? And um, it's essentially this pandemic has pushed that ahead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you saw the beginning of some of that with autonomous vehicles and, you know, all kinds of really cool technologies. but now we're in. And, uh, you know, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. Um, Dave Bowman does an incredible presentation on the future of technology. And so he's sort of a guru on what to expect. And it's pretty cool. Let's... You know, uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, the thing is, a lot of times you have new tech, people have a barrier because they stay with what they're comfortable with. But once if you've got something that you didn't actually like a whole lot or suddenly became really un, you know, undesirable, you know, people quickly move to, the, to an ultimate solution. They move out of a rut fast. And that's always been sort of true. And so, you know, for example, while having your, you know, your, you know like up in uh, NAU, I was up on their campus, and I was watching the uh, Starlink uh, uh, bots, you know, traverse the campus delivering meals. It's like that wouldn't have happened this last year. Even though the technology, everything was there. But people want to put the energy into it because it's like, guys, ah, it's just as easy to, easy to walk to get food. But once it becomes a life you know, issue, you know, or a safety issue, now you kick over and now this new technology will probably just be around forever. You know, I mean, same way as, you know, like I love when I go to Target, I, I swung by a Target and, by the, and at the front of the door now they have all the, the, the lockers of cold yes. so that I can, you know, I can phone ahead, 
and I can have my 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 milk and my frozen whatnots actually by the door. So I just tuck my head in, you know, you know, use my phone to scan in a code. It unlocks. I grab my stuff and leave in a very safe way. And personally, you know, like that's, you know, I didn't actually really want to go to the grocery store inside of Target. I just needed some milk. <laughs> You know, the I think one of my hopes is that I mean it's such a good point that we were forced to get out of our comfort zone to get out of those ruts, right? I'm hoping it'll make us more eager to do more of us more eager. I mean, there's always the people that have kind of been wired that way, but there's a lot of people that, that like their ruts. I'm one of them, and um, you know, being forced to get out of them has taught me maybe I should do it more often. And I'm hoping that's one of the things we take forward is a little bit more open to trying things and a little bit more open to, 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 to getting away from the status quo and moving faster without a pandemic forcing us to. Sheila, you said something that as Eric talks about it, I think about what you said, you said, as you were starting to tell us a little bit about you and the company and the people you serve, the conversation you had with your clients were how do we make this change? What do we do to succeed and keep moving forward? And and I reflected back moments ago when you said that, that the one question that that wasn't asked was, can we? And I think it's that question that we're all asking, we're laying in bed at night or wake up in the morning and, and you know, sometimes we're having to really like, okay, you know, can we do this? But I think that's what, that that's the piece I'm picking up from each of you. Um, this, there's no question that we can anymore. I think Eric had even said that earlier. This is, this is how it's done. We are going to continue to ask uh, each other and hold each other accountable to stepping out of our comfort zones and and letting technology help pave the way. We've, you know, many uh, sectors and industries and, and individuals, communities for that matter, have been reluctant. Sometimes it feels a little far-fetched for us, but, you know, robots roaming campus to deliver meals. Like, what? <laughs> Who would have thought that we'd see that in our lifetime? But it's it's real. And, and here we are. So let's continue the conversation and talk about trends. What do you think are the biggest trends that we'll see in your respective industry? I know we've highlighted a few of them, but what, what will we see? I think artificial intelligence is one of the biggest trends because it's impacting everything, uh, every part of our life. So, so we were talking about supply chains. How do things get to the right place at the right time? AI has changed dramatically. It's impacting telemedicine. It's in your phone. It's, uh, it's being used by Zoom right now to figure out how to optimize this presentation. And so uh, artificial intelligence and how it's used and, and making sure that it's used for good is really, really important. Like one of the things that's happening in marketing is that you can now get an, an AI to write content. Um, is that going to be good content? Is that going to be valuable content? Is that going to be helpful given that there are hundreds of thousands of blogs that go up every millisecond. <laughs> um, and so I, I think one of the things that we have to constantly do with all tech that we've always had to do is that we have to have some ethics and some thinking around how they're used. And then we have to make sure that they are helpful. So a lot of people's jobs are, are, have been displaced as a result of COVID. And it's our responsibility, I think, as tech leaders to find new ways to help people reskill, help people find a new way in a, a place where they might be scared. Um, my company's been going through this process with a company called AQAI, which is the adaptability quotient. So if you've heard of emotional intelligence, 
Um, it's kind of a variation of that, but adaptability is how can you adapt and feel good about it? Hmm. And so um, uh, one of my colleagues through uh, Singularity University, his name's Ross Thornley, has come up with a, a company called AQAI out of Britain, and they're doing assessments on adaptability and training to help employees figure out how could I feel better about these things? Because it's not just, you know, what are we going to do and can we do it? But then how do we get there? How do we get there logistically, but how do we get there emotionally, which is really, really important. And so I think as, as a leader, it's my job not to help, not just to help companies how to clearly tell their message and get more people to engage, but it's also how do I help all the people in the ecosystem, my company, of their companies, of the companies that I work with, the schools in my neighborhood, all of those things. How can we help each other become more adaptable and ultimately feel emotionally more empowered by the things that are changing because it's not going to slow down. And this won't be the the last pandemic that happens in our lifetime. This won't be the, the last time that our jobs are going to be disrupted. This won't be the last time that marketing changes dramatically. I mean, there are people saying that there's going to be no marketing, no advertising in 10 years because we're going to have a Jarvis who's going to be our personal shopper who will go out and find what we need. So I'm never going to have to look at an ad again because I'll have my shopper, my, my personal Jarvis uh, do it for me. So just thinking in the future about how my industry is going to change, it's going to be massively different. The things that I offer are going to be massively different as an agency. However, if my team is more comfortable with that change, then we're going to be excited about what we're doing in the future. And and I think any kind of change requires adaptability and thinking about that. And we're going to be having as many conversations about that as we had about emotional intelligence oh, sure. you know, five or seven years ago. Yeah. Before we move on to uh, some of the rest of you around trends, Sheila, I'm thinking about social media as well. Do you What do you see trend-wise there? I mean, we've already seen a lot of things happen just even the last month or so as it relates to social media. But can you highlight anything there? Yeah, I think there will be massive changes in social media. Um, we're doing a, a session on privacy uh, for the Tech Council coming up on February 18th, just to talk about the privacy law changes. So there's a, a huge privacy law change year before last in Europe. That is basically been replicated in California and it's under review in other states around the country. And so even just going forward in this next year, there won't be something called third party cookies anymore. So I set a cookie and I follow what you do when you come to my site. That's a first party cookie. Mm -hmm. A third party cookie is when Facebook also tracks that. And then Facebook can tell people what's happening. The all, third party cookies are basically going away and it's going to change the way that we do targeting in marketing. So that's something that's happening right now. And it's going to have a huge impact on social media. There are, are people saying that in the future, Social media may go away. If advertising goes away, then that advertising is what supports social media. And we're going to want different kinds of relationships. So literally all of this is going to massively change in the next 10 years, not to mention the fact that General Motors announced this week that there will be no more petroleum-fueled cars uh, after 2035. Uh, yeah. um, and in Europe, you know, many companies have already said that they wouldn't have any uh, fossil fuel cars 
after 2030. So in the next 10 years, mm -hmm. social media will change. Cars will change. We may not even own cars. We may only take a Lyft or an Uber everywhere. We may be flying in air taxis. Our, our world is going to completely change. And for me, I think it's really exciting. But for a lot of people, that's really scary. So we just have to help. Yeah. By the way, Ford uh, had made a similar announcement a few months ago that they weren't going to invest another penny in R&D and internal combustion engines. So sort of setting the same stage. Yep. Mm -hmm. Eric, so, Dave, yeah. yeah the, so it's funny that the trends that we I would have talked, if you asked me that question a year and a half ago, I'd probably give the same answer. I think for whatever reason, those trends were accelerated for, for well, there are obvious reasons when you think about it, they were accelerated by uh, COVID. What we're seeing is 5G is going to change everything. Um, and somebody's going to come after 5G, but for a while, 5G is going to change everything. Um, the ability to get broadband anywhere that there's a signal um, is going to change the content we share and how we share content. And, you know, we already talked about working from home, right? Well, if we've got rural broadband and we've got 5G everywhere, I can, you know, I joke about working on the beach, but the truth is when I go to San Diego for the real heavy stuff, I go back to the condo and, and get on the internet there. Um, the I'll be able to do serious engineering anywhere, right? And I think that's going to be a big change. Steve mentioned- And you're going to have every device in your whole life attached Yes, all connected. Yes, <laughs> to five G. So your refrigerator yeah. and your car and your mm -hmm. phone and your computer mm -hmm. and the glasses on your face are all going to be connected at hyperspeed, all talking to each other. Which is the next thing, which is IoT, the Internet of Things, right? And and that was another trend. You know, and Dave and I have been talking about it for probably ten years, right? And they're different names, but this idea of everything being connected and everything being smart. That's been pushed forward as well because we've seen the value of that, right? So back to the grocery store, you know, your your fridge is going to know you're out of milk, and and it's going to go, it's going to order the milk for you, and that brings us to the third trend, which is autonomous, right? So instead of going to get the milk, a robot's going to go get it, and I think from a manufacturing standpoint, that's going to be the biggest change, and for America, manufacturing, U.S. manufacturing, the biggest, right? Labor is the problem. The reason why all those jobs went overseas was because of labor and infrastructure cost. We can't really solve the infrastructure cost problem, but we can solve the labor problem with automation. And by automating these processes, and you're going to see this with Nikola and some of the other car companies that are building factories here in Arizona, there's not a lot of people in those factories. There are some, but there's not a lot. It's completely automated. And that's why they're here instead of in Mexico or China. So look to see that happen more. You know, the COVID taught us the importance of automation uh, from a lot of different standpoints. And then the last is electrification. And that goes to the GM announcement, right? We're going to see a shift away from fossil fuel. That, though, is going to be a problem because there ain't a lack of electricity and our grid can't support it, right? So the infrastructure isn't there for electrification. So tech needs to step up and there's a lot of money to be made. So I think they will um, and will solve some of these problems similar to the problem we saw with Internet at home, right? How many people struggled with their local Internet? To, to log on to these meetings when they were working from home and the, the cable companies, and you can, you can argue whether they successfully or unsuccessfully, but they did. I think it, by the end now, it's not really the problem it was. Um, we're going to have to see that same thing from an electrification standpoint and that we're going to have to have a lot of power in peaky ways uh, all over the place. Yeah. Well, when solar is 
less than 1.2 cents a kilowatt, yep. um, there's a lot of opportunity to expand electrification everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, more local, right? Uh, and, uh, yeah. It, a lot of people aren't family. Your food's going to be local. Your, elect your electric grid's going to be local. So much of your life is going to be local. These these technologies enable it, and I think COVID taught us a lot of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll let Dave talk about education, but I think that's a key part of it. Well, I want to say, like, uh, to kind of weave some of these things together, that, uh, as you know, it's a good sign of how much innovation in tech is going on is that they, both of you laid out a big swash, and there's still plenty to talk about. A lot more. <laughs> uh, and, you know, like, you know, Sheila, you're talking about uh, the marketing thing and, and with AI. One of the things that's happening that's making AI expand in its importance is that really only in the last year, you could find AI tools that are dialed into marketing. Like all the different mm -hmm. sectors that are out there, you know, could find a, if you're in the utility business, you can find AI tools that are like linked up to that to give you what you need. So you're not focusing on coding AI, you're mm -hmm. focusing on using its ability to see patterns to solve things. And I think... You know, a lot of folks, you know, get scared a little bit by AI taking over. And at this point in time, we're not talking about thinking machines. We're talking about really good statistics on a whole lot of data, which IoT feeds, and in tools that allow you to quickly make good decisions out of it. And I think that's why we're seeing like more efficiency and more and more interesting ideas come up because you're able to see better. It's almost like a better set of glasses. And before I talk about like the trend to bring this all together, I got to say one thing. I, I want to do like a shout out to Eric and Steve, because Arizona has this remarkable tech ecosystem, um, you know, both from the ground up with the support for innovative small companies, you know, where Eric, you were always there, you know, coaching and mentoring them, you know, all the way up through connectivity, through legislation. It's amazing. When I looked at the data toward the end of 2020, what a good position that the tech sector is in. And it's really, it's because of the work Steve and Eric and tech council are doing. It plays, it plays a role that most people don't see. It's, it's remarkable. I'll um, add com, com, our, our sponsor for this event, the Commerce Authority plays a really yes, critical absolutely. role. Absolutely. Actually, well. even, yeah. right in the presentation that Steve was yeah. talking about, mm -hmm. the, the ACA data, I go to them regularly, and their advocacy is tremendous. Mm -hmm. But anyways, in terms of like the, um, uh, the uh, technology to keep an eye on is you talk about IoT, and we talk about being connected and we talk about this reality that you're going to be surprised in a couple of years how many internet devices each of us have connected to us personally. I mean, it's, you know, like a household, it's not going to be crazy to say that in a typical family of four house, there's going to be 50 to 100 devices all wired up. And we're not going to manage those by having somebody be responsible for updating all those passwords, you know, it's, that's not <laughs> there's uh, a problem that make a money, a millionaire, right? Yeah. Well, and, and that's why I would say is you, if we're looking for some things that are going to weave it together, ensuring security and internet privacy and tools that solve this, this kind of thing um, are going to be a big deal. And so you're going to have to keep watching cyber. And I would really, if I was looking into the future, I would really look at blockchain. And I'm not talking about Bitcoin, you know, and, and that's a different, that's the fintech sector that's different. But one of the things that blockchain does that's really interesting is because it doesn't require an administrator, it, you know, you don't have to go to a service to make sure that your information is secure. It self-regulates its security. It creates this opportunity to be kind of the space where, you know, you as an individual can have a secure key that is really unbreakable. 
that where all of your private information is kept on and basically you parse out you know, verification of your identity through that to other people and you have direct control. And so, you know, and, and that has a lot of value in all of our transactions. It has value in identification cards. It's got voting implication, contracts, you know, and I, and I, I, it's one of those things that if I had to like look at things that may emerge that people don't expect, blockchain for our, as something that people use to be secure, it could solve an awful lot of crypto security issues that are out there. Tra travel too, by the way, yeah. um, you know, identifying who you are to anybody anywhere in the world being valid and unbreakable. Yeah. And I, and, and simple. I mean, that's like one of the things that I think is interesting that's right in front of us is a, a number of things that we were forced to do this last year. You know, we had to find ways to grapple with advanced technology topics in a way that everybody can deal with. I mean, it's one thing to say you're an engineer and you've got a technology solution as an engineer that you can ramp up on and deal with. That isn't a solution for the 300 million Americans and the billions of people on the planet. Um, you have to have things that people can navigate and have faith and trust in. And that's, I think, 2020 moved us forward in a lot of ways and along those lines. Yeah, uh, elderly parents on Zoom maybe, <laughs> you know, a, a breakthrough. It's right? working. It is yeah. working. Yeah. Oh, we're well, and we could get a, a digital passport in Estonia that would give us rights to do business all over Europe. I mean, the the way yeah. that we conduct business, I believe, in spite of some of the trends in our country, uh, is is more global, and we're going to have an opportunity to do some really marvelous things as a result of that. And, and I'll argue that those, you know, populist regressive trends are in reaction to the reality that we're headed that way, right? This, yes. it's, it's pure reactionary. It's like, oh my God, my world is changing. I don't want it to change. And mm -hmm. that's why I'm fighting these changes, but it, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, like when you talked about social media earlier, and, mm -hmm. and uh, it's funny, I was talking to, uh, I did a podcast yesterday right after the Tech Council meeting, and we were talking about the election and technology and things like that. And, and where the panel kind of wound up was in a real challenge to a younger generation who really are driving so much of social media that, you know, what happened in the last six weeks, even to certain extent what's going on this week with the GameStop, right. is unacceptable. You know, you cannot allow this to happen. And, and actually, it'll be that generation who has to own, you know this better than anyone you have to make this right in a way that that allows society to be healthy. I have 100%. a lot of optimism for them. Me too. Being able to handle work all the time and complete uh, out. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. I I I have heard less and less about this next generation of leaders coming up where people have said, I'm really worried about him and da, da, da. As we've coasted through, and I, think, I don't think coast is the right word, as we've moved through 2020, I've heard more and more people say just that, like, listen, they're, they're the ones who are helping to pave the way. And, and, uh, and I've got a 13-year-old. So I, and mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've brought that up a couple of times on these segments with AZ Tech specifically, like, how do I continue to prepare this young man for uh, you know, for the future and for placing and positioning himself so that he is a leader. He's got a great math mind, great, you know, love for science. Like, how do we continue to, to do that so we can be part of the the uh, solutions? Uh, we are just well, about and, may, and may all of this chaos that's happened in the mm -hmm. last year has helped teach them and take stock in how all this works. Mm -hmm. So just like the Vietnam War did for a, a different generation, yeah. I think 
the, this election and and what's been happening with technology and COVID has caused, I mean, I, I a friend of mine has a 14-year-old and just the conversations that happen on TikTok um, where they're really debating these issues is really, really powerful. Yeah. And as a parent, we just need to be aware of what they're looking at and listening to and tuning into. <laughs> so that right, we can and have, have more conversations. Have, and yeah. have more conversations. Yes. It certainly lends itself to it. And yeah, it's it's uh it's fascinating. And this whole, you know, uh, doing school from home when when at least in my case, I'm a single parent now and I'm I'm at the studio. Thank goodness he's fairly responsible, but boy, oh boy, is he trying to work the system and find his way through. Quick. Holy yeah. cow, it's crazy. Well they had I had an announcement in Ohio this week that 67% of students never logged in when they went to all online. That's a huge amount. Which would be a technological issue, I think. That's a whole problem. But but, but, so if if we have that many people doing school online, then we need to solve not just ballot box issues, but we Mm -hmm. also need to solve... Uh, solve uh, education, remote education Mm -hmm. issues. And so these are just more opportunities to solve these issues. And in the future, education is going to be more secure, more interactive, more valuable Mm -hmm. than ever because of some of these problems that have happened. I agree more. And you're, yeah, the digital you're, digital divide is is another great topic to spend an entire hour, hour on, but COVID yeah. really, really brought it home. I've thought of that several times today and just haven't wanted to sidetrack us too much. But yeah, even when we've a, talked about rural thing. rural America, we've talked about our kids. And, and right now, uh, those who are fortunate enough to have technology, you know, are, are able to show up and continue to learning. We had a, a guest not too long ago, talking about um, childcare uh, yeah. and and the impact uh, again our rural areas, right, where mom and dad or or just mom or grandparents don't have an opportunity not to be home, they are reliant on childcare. So yes, we've got at least three or four segments here. <laughs> we are almost at the top of the hour for today's though, and I want to thank you so much for being here, Stephen. Anything you want to add or or say as we kind of uh, ask everybody to share where we can keep track of what they're up to and close out the show. Well, uh, as I said earlier, they're all board members. So uh, if anyone wants to get a hold of any of them, they can uh, contact me. Uh, I just want to express my appreciation to all three of them. This has been a great conversation. Really appreciate your insight into what the future looks like and what we learned from our COVID experience has been uh, very compelling. For sure. Dr. Bowman, if you'd share where we can get a hold of uh, UAT, and, and I think you're on LinkedIn, where's the best way to, to kind of keep an eye on what you're doing? Um, yeah, you can always go to UAT.edu. That's our website. And if you, uh, or at UAT.edu uh, in, in that direction. Uh, if everyone ever wants to reach out to me, I have an incredibly simple email address. It's simply Dave at UAT.edu. <laughs> um, you can get me that way on most social media or directly by email, the old school. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Eric, how about you? Yeah, the best thing to do is just use your favorite search engine for Eric Miller, P-A-D-T. Uh, there's a lot of Eric Millers, but there's not a lot of P-A-D-Ts. Actually, the other P-A-D-T is a, uh, a company that does uh, cremation in, in uh, <laughs> uh, Kathmandu. So not a lot of overlap there. Definitely there. LinkedIn's always the best way to, to find out about me. And, and I encourage people to go to the Phoenix Business Journal and, and search my name there. Um, I blather on about this sort of stuff uh, fairly regularly in their pages. And uh, these, this, this actually is, I think I've got written down three article ideas based on what we talked about. I <laughs> ah, love it. We'll have to go for that. And the only Eric Miller who would be uh, 
I don't know what the right word is, but uh, fun <laughs> enough and crazy enough to have Bernie Sanders in the background during this I know, entire... I'm going to miss him when this meme is over. <laughs> so for those of you only listening to the audio version of this, uh, Stephen pointed that out when we first got on. I, I couldn't stop laughing. It's just so perfect and, and so so fun. Sheila. I have a couch behind me and Bernie's on it. Oh, yeah. Bernie, there he is. He's just so perfectly... With his yeah, with his, right? Everything, everything we've grown to love about Bernie Sanders these last several, several weeks. Sheila, if you would uh, finish up for us, please tell us how we can uh, keep in touch of, of everything that you and your company are doing. Sure. You can uh, see us at keomarketing.com or we're also in pretty much every major social media. Awesome. Uh, and aztechcouncil.org oh, <laughs> is the Tech Council's website and uh, Zylstra at aztechcouncil.org. Fantastic. Again, thank you all for being here today. You've been listening to AZ TechCast, you bet. Brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. Today's AZ TechCast was brought to you by the Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona's economy. Thank you again, Arizona Commerce Authority. And many thanks as well to JDH Insights, the 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit jdhinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you are interested in being a podcast participant or sponsor for the Council's AZ TechCast, please reach out to marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Owicki. Thanks for listening. 